Test, 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 one, two. Can you hear me? One, two. Hey, Confessionista. I am so glad you're here. Jen and I need your help. This is Harper, and for the next two episodes, we are going to be sharing our very candid, very complicated real-life experiences with perimenopause and what we know, don't know, or are not even sure that we know. If you're new to Salon Confessions, here's a bit of a backdrop. In each episode, I go to my friend Jen's nail studio and she gives me a manicure and we talk about things that are sometimes hard to talk about openly. In this episode, she's actually going to give me a pedicure, so you'll hear the gentle sounds of the pedicure bath bubbling in the background for a bit. But back to our topic. Jen and I are both approaching 50 years old, and in the past couple of years, everything we thought we knew about our bodies and how they worked is flying piece by piece out the window. To put it mildly, we are frustrated. Yes, we're frustrated that our bodies have once again become as mysterious as when we were entering puberty, but we're even more frustrated that answers, support, and understanding are so hard to find. Haven't women been going through menopause for millennia? How can this still be such a mystery? Friends, I am tired. I am tired of wading through Facebook and Instagram ads to figure out which combination of expensive supplements, programs, and weight loss meds might be right for me. I am tired of needing to spend a fortune on medical appointments and tests and, hey, let's try this prescriptions that do not net me a meaningful answer. I am tired of my body being a science experiment. Everyone seems to have a different answer or a different approach, and I don't know about you, but I just do not have the time or energy for it all. Listen, I get it. Aging is part of life, and there's a level of self-compassion and acceptance required as we experience all the tiny things that change as we age. But also, I call BS. In my world, I can literally plan that three to four days of each month, I will be so significantly impacted by hormonally related issues that I'm utterly derailed from my own life. And I'm not just talking about PMS and periods. That's 10% of my life. Is this really what we call normal and functional? Okay, so back to our cry for help. Jen and I strongly believe that talking, shouting, cursing, and laughing about the crazy mess that is perimenopause and menopause can actually help us. Because the reality is, women are very complex, and each of us will have different symptoms, effects, and complicating factors. And time and time again, the support of other women is what carries us through these challenging times. Yes, we want answers and meaningful treatments tailored to our unique needs, but perhaps more than anything, we want empathy, and we want to not feel embarrassed to bring up the questions and frustrations we experience on a literal daily basis. It's not like we just became women, after all. We know we have an extra life tax to pay, and we generally just get on with it all and push through it. But damn, it sure would be nice to share more moments of empathy and understanding instead of all silently crossing the same rickety bridge. Help us. We need your story. It doesn't need to have a resolution or an answer that worked for you. It's okay for your story to be about the screaming and crying and loneliness and debilitating moments. If you have a story about what worked for you, we would love to hear that too. This is not a season of one-size-fits-all answers, but sometimes a thing you hear from another woman can lead you to the next breadcrumb of your own answer. So yes, please share those too. 
I hope as you listen, you catch a few breadcrumbs of your own as we explore weight gain and hot flashes, periods and birth control, vaginal changes and hormone treatments, and rage and intimacy. Maybe with all of our breadcrumbs put together, we can make a whole loaf. Please email us confidentially at salonconfessionspodcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram. Seriously, confessionistas, we need you more than ever. We are sending out the bat signal, or maybe we should call it the manicure signal. And now we hope you listen and engage with this episode we call Butterfly Queens, Perimenopausal Women Tell All, Part 1. Welcome back to Salon Confessions. This is Harper. I am here with Jen. And today um, I'm doing a mani and a pedi. So I'm super excited. So right now we're doing the pedicure. And uh, Jen just noticed how rough my toes look. And um, so it's been a couple of months, I think. But it's fall. So when you're in colder climates, nobody sees them. Um, And still. If you saw my toes right now. Ooh, real confession. I'm looking like Fred Flintstone. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I Hudson didn't have any socks on the other day and his big toe has this like giant bruised toenail on it. And I was like, when did that happen? He goes back in October, like two months ago. Oh. So clearly I don't spend a lot of time looking at his feet either, which is probably a good thing. Definitely. I'm not a foot person. Me either. Yeah. Actually, an old friend of mine is coming, male friend, is coming for a pedicure this week. He has super nice feet, but I, I can, not a lot, a lot of men can say they have nice feet. Yeah. I mean, even if the feet are really nice, like, they're still feet. Right. <laughs> yeah, the really fact happy. that people, like, pay money. Right. You know, that foot fetish and all. Yeah. What? I, I, I don't get, get it. it. I don't get it. But I do like having pretty toes, so... It, it makes you feel good. Yeah. But I'm not going to be taking photos to sell. No. I mean, <laughs> hey, maybe. Maybe. Desperate times call for desperate <laughs> measures. I shouldn't speak. I mean, if you're going to sell photos of yourself, like, there are worse things to take this pictures is true. of. This is true. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, so we've started out there. I should preface this with the fact that I am very sleep deprived. I have not had a good night's sleep in over a week and last night the dog was up sick oh and I was like I thought you I only had to do this with kids like why am I awake in the middle of the night with a sick dog that's sucks mm-hmm. that's why I don't have pets my sleep is so fucked up as it is if I had anyone else fucking with my sleep <laughs> I <laughs> so at Salon Confessions here in the nail studio we always start with the confession of the week And it doesn't usually have anything to do with our topic, although I think my confession sort of parlays into our topic for the week. But we had a couple of episodes where I was talking, I think it was our stress episode and our aging episode, and I was talking about getting some blood work done and that I found out that my liver enzymes were high. And if you are a regular listener or if you follow Harper Has Nice Nails, my Instagram account, you know that I've been posting a lot about trying new mocktails and um, and I'm a brand ambassador for free spirits. And the whole thing, the whole reason I sort of got into this is because I like cocktails. I like making cocktails. I like drinking cocktails. That's kind of usually my go-to evening beverage, but I just didn't need it. It wasn't good five or six nights a week. 
And that was showing up in my liver enzymes. So I had a multitude of issues with my blood work, you know, a, a year ago, basically. And one of them was my liver enzymes were high. That freaked me out because my dad died of NASH, which is liver disease. And so I was like, okay, I think I need to just like take this seriously, but I don't want to give up anything. So I started doing non-alcoholic options. So I tried these, the free spirits, non-alcoholic bourbon and gin are my favorite, but I also found this Lagunitas Hoppy Refresher, which is basically fizzy water, but the flavoring in it is hops. So you get a little bit of a beer flavor or, you know, that hoppy, but it's not heavy. It's really light because it's just sparkling water. And you don't get that weird aspartame fruit taste that you get in like some of the sparkling waters. Disgusting. So this has been about a year now that I've been massively cutting back on drinking. And not all at once, but one to two drinks a night most days of the week adds up. I think they say the average person drinks seven to 14 a week. Yeah, my doctor was never concerned with my drinking level until my liver enzymes were high. And she wasn't even that concerned then. You know, she was just kind of said, well, you know, you could try cutting you back on drinking. And so now I'm down to three or four drinks a week. And I did all of October this year. I did sober October, but used all my mocktails and my non-alcoholic stuff. Your reels are so cool. I love them. Thank you. Thank you for that shout out. Um, I have a couple in the tank that I have not published. So maybe with this episode, I'll put those out there. Anyway, I got my blood work rechecked. I've been taking iron supplements, vitamin D supplements, and cutting back on drinking. Outside of that, those are really the only things that have changed. My thyroid came back in normal levels. My iron is back in normal levels. My vitamin D is back in normal levels. And my liver enzymes came way down <gasps> and are really? back to normal levels. It w- made that significant of a change. Because truly, like nothing else in my diet or exercise routine has changed. Wow. That's awesome. I was floored. Honestly. So that's why I had to share because I am truly an advocate because I like the flavor and I'm very, very fussy about flavors. And, you know, I like what I like and I'm not going to trade stuff out if I don't like it. I don't sub out things that I don't actually like. But this has made such a difference and I don't feel like I'm missing anything. I feel like I don't miss the buzz. And if I do want to drink, I don't feel bad about it. Because I don't think about the four other ones I've had this week or how many should I have. Because I know I'm not drinking very much. So question, how, so hard to tell because I think we're both clearly perimenopausal. Right. And I know that's affecting sleep. Yes. But here's an example. So like my aunt and I are preparing for a big trip. Yes. And she said something about have a couple glasses of wine, maybe on the plane it'll help me sleep. Nope. I'm like, that's horrible for me. Mm-hmm. And she goes, but I've heard like it makes you go to sleep. But then when the wine wakes, wears off, you wake up and you can't go back to sleep. Exactly. And I'm like, maybe when I used to drink, maybe that's what happened is like yeah. you pass out, but you're not literally sleeping. No. You're literally passed out. Yes. But you're not sleeping restfully. Like I yes. slept like garbage anytime I had alcohol. And now it, it's so rare that I can't even tell you how it affects me. But my sleep is so fucked up that I can't imagine adding anything else that's going to fuck it up more. Right. <laughs> right. I don't know why I haven't been sleeping this week, but I would say, generally speaking, my sleep has actually been really good. 
in the last several months? Because of the lack of alcohol. I mean, again, like that has to, I haven't changed anything else. Like I haven't started going to the gym. I haven't drastically improved my, you know, what I'm eating or changed what I'm eating. So it's really the only thing. And I know multiple people who drink daily. Yeah. And are always exhausted. Right. Then it's like, well, probably because you're not getting quality sleep, but I'm not a doctor. I, I don't. It's the sleep, but it's also because alcohol is processed through your liver. This is one thing that my doctor said. You get fatty liver disease more from the sugars. Mm. So high fructose corn syrup, heavy sugar diet, um, and then alcohol has a lot of sugars in it. That's more than what you get from even like a high fat diet. So when you have liver that is in stress all the time, it can't detoxify your body as cleanly and purely. So if you're not detoxifying yourself, then of course everything else is going to get skewed and out of whack. That's where we get metabolic syndrome and, you know, things that there's, there's not one answer for. It's just a progressive series of, you got to like tweak this and tweak that, which leads to, so Jen texted me and said, can we talk about what we know about menopause this week? And I was like, yes, but I don't feel like I know anything. And in fact, I feel like I know less today, this week, than I knew last week before I got all these tests back. <laughs> well, what prompted me to say that is that I had a client in this week. And the interesting thing is she is seven, eight years older than me. But she started talking about some of what she's experiencing. And she said more than once, the problem is nobody talks about these things. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not sure if she knows about the podcast or not. But they, I was kind of laughing in my head, like, yep, this is exactly why we started this podcast. Because yes. this is shit no one talks about. Well, right. her doctor, she asked her doctor, because she's been to, like, a general doctor and an OB and a women's clinic, like, trying to battle all these, you know, all things menopause. Which I've been hearing about symptoms for years and now starting to experience myself. And it's total bullshit. Um, menopause can literally like kiss my ass and fuck all the way off. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm fed up and I, <laughs> I think it's just the beginning. Anyways, she asked her doctor, like, why don't we hear about this? Yes. And the doctor said, yeah. And how often do you hear about erectile dysfunction mm -hmm. and, you know, these different pills and you see all these ads on TV because it's all about making sure men are happy. It's bullshit. We go through tenfold what a man will ever experience and nobody talks about it. Right. So it was interesting because you and I had this topic kind of, you know, in our lineup. We've tried to do it a couple times. Yeah. And I feel like I'm learning a lot, but I, you know, get when I get more input like that, I'm like, yep, yep, th this needs to be discussed because nobody's talking about it. Mm -hmm. So, so far, what I'm experiencing is issues with sleep. I'm a little cuckoo at times and I can't tell if it's like hormones or well for example yesterday I'm here at work my very first client I'm polishing her I dropped the brush with the polish on it down my shirt I've been doing this for 29 years I've never how it just like fell out of my hands and went straight down my sweater oh. onto the floor and I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Well, oddly, the color it was, and I, I just took a dry cotton ball and kind of tried to swipe it. The pattern of the sweater, she's like, I can't see it at all. I could tell where it dropped, yeah. but amazing that I didn't destroy. The yeah. funny thing is I had tried to talk her into a 
sparkly red and she said no if she would have done sparkly red yeah. that sweater would have gone straight in the right. garbage because there's no fixing that right. after she left i knocked over my awala auto water bottle which is like 100 pounds two bottles of polish went on the floor and i was like okay i need to stop I need to take a deep breath. This is going to be a long ass day if I do not get my shit together. But it was like fumble fingers. And again, was it lack of sleep? I've given up caffeine. So it wasn't like, oh, you're too, ca you know, it kind of maybe felt like. Maybe that's your issue. Maybe that's it. I, I do feel like it's taken half my personality with it. But, um, <laughs> you know how you get like fumbly from caffeine? That's oh, yeah. kind of what it felt like. But I had zero caffeine. I think it's just a total lack of sleep. I use, um, mm -hmm. I have an Apple Watch and I use that auto sleep app. It tells me every morning, your sleep was shitty. Uh, and it's really affecting my life. I mean, the good news is I'm super aware of it. So every time I open my mouth to speak to my husband, I try not to take his head off because I'm just tired and crabby. Right. And, you know, so I'm aware. I'm very open in talking with him about it. Like, I don't sleep. I've been mm -hmm. up since four. If I can go to sleep, I can't stay asleep. I mean, I'm up at two. I'm up at four. Sometimes I'm up at five o'clock for the whole entire day. I don't have to be up that early ever. Right. So it's horrible. Yeah. The other thing, when you were talking about, like, the stuff you're taking, the amount of money I am spending mm -hmm. to keep my body functioning mm -hmm. between supplements, chiropractic adjustments, mm -hmm. I'm getting massage, which some of that's work-related, but it's insane. Yeah. It is insane. Yeah. And, and we're not that old. No. So when I'm talking to, like, the client the other day, she's, like I said, 57, 58. And maybe she, maybe we started early. Maybe she started late. Maybe the shit's going on for 10 years. I don't know. But I don't like any of it. Yeah. Don't like it. Yeah. I don't think that I've ever met anybody who said menopause was the best thing that ever happened to me. Absolutely not. Like even if it was, even if people compare their experiences and one was easier and one was harder. And I think part of it is like women are very complex. We are complex emotionally, cognitively, physically. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different things going on when you get into the abdominal area you could have an intestinal issue you could have a musculoskeletal issue because we're curvy right you could have something going on with your reproductive organs it could be a bladder issue like there's four different systems four potential different doctors yep. that you would need to go to that personally i have been to to try to figure out why do i have this mystery thing happening so I sort of understand, not, not to justify it, but I sort of understand why erectile dysfunction gets so much press because it's very easy in our skim, scan, scroll culture. It is very male-centric, right? Yep. So yep. it feeds into our patriarchal type of culture. But more than that, like where do you even begin with menopause? Even the doctors that I've seen, nobody has been able to say like, yes, this is definitively related. Mostly it's, this is probably has something to do with changes in your hormones. Yep. Well, how do I find out? Well, and because it affects everyone differently, like men seem to have one issue. They can't get it up or they can't keep it up. We have, yes. some people have zero effects. Right. Some people have all the effects. Right. So I have a couple friends and a couple clients that go to a naturopath. And we're able to get bioidentical hormones. And I'm not in a position right now to afford to go to a naturopath. I am very blessed that my nurse practitioner, just my, you know, general doctor, yeah. 
um, is willing to prescribe them. So, but it's a guessing game. You know, she checks the levels and she's like, okay, well, let's start out with this. And I said, well, can I do the, you know, natural cream? She said, yeah, absolutely. I was so, I almost cried. I almost cried. I don't want to take a bunch of synthetic stuff. Mm -hmm. I'd like to keep it more natural. So I have a cream that I put on my inner arms every day. It was prescribed as two clicks in the morning, two clicks at night. I believe it's about 80% progesterone and 20% estrogen. Well, I tried the prescription and the two nights I didn't sleep at all. Like I couldn't go to sleep, couldn't stay asleep. And I said, okay, well this is actually making it worse. So I cut out the nighttime and started just doing morning. That was good for a while, and then it seemed to get off again. So then the instructions, you know, said if these things happen, you can go to three clicks. So I'm currently doing three clicks every morning. My emotions are not so all over the place. I mean, I've told you about my rage with yes. the blow dryer yes. and, you know, that kind of stuff, which I know was all hormones. So it's really helping. Well, now we need to check my testosterone and see where that's at because I might need a supplement with that. I am losing muscle even though I weight train, according to in-body scans, I'm losing muscle. Well, that could very well be a lack of testosterone that is affecting that. It scares me. You know, I've already got chin hairs. I don't want a beard, but I don't, I don't think it affects you this way, but I don't know. This is all new to me. So some people have them all separate. They've got one cream that's progesterone, one cream that's estrogen, and another cream that's testosterone. My doctor said I could have them all in one, which for me would be very convenient. But I think you got to start out with not that to figure out what's working and what's not. I, I don't know. So let me ask you some questions. Okay. Okay. First question is, it sounds like you've gotten your hormone levels tested. So they are testing for estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. Yes. And they checked certain things that give those levels. And I don't think they can actually test let's say progesterone, but they test like HRT. And it, mm-hmm. if your levels are a certain way, then they know it's because you're lacking okay. progesterone. Just like when they test in the morning to see your cortisol level, yeah. and you and I have both experienced that our cortisol right. level is low. Yep. Well, that can happen from a lack of progesterone. Oh. Yes. So all of these things are separate yet intertwined. <laughs> okay. Because that's my first question. Because I've had all these these blood tests done and I'm sure that I've had hormone tests in the past but in the last two years as I've been trying to figure out like how do I deal with what's going on when I don't even really understand it nobody has suggested let's test your reproductive hormones like I've had my cortisol test which was low and mine started out with cortisol um, there was something else, and I was put on a steroid because of the cortisol. Right, I remember well, that. I have an eye issue, so I'm not supposed to be on steroids. Yep. So that made me very nervous, but it didn't seem to help. Yeah. So that's when she said, um, let, you know what, and I'm going to look it up right now. That's when she said, I think we need to check some of your hormone levels because this could be perimenopausal. Mm-hmm. Well, the interesting thing is one of the levels came back, and when you look at like the scan of whatever, it said I was postmenopausal. How can I be postmenopausal when I haven't started? So well, you don't know that you haven't started because you don't cycle. This is true. Like you actually could be postmenopausal. Wouldn't that be crazy? Yeah, no, that would be absolutely insane. But also sort of makes sense. Yes. I mean but that's interesting. Historically, the women in my family go to we're about sixty. But so, you've always been ahead of the curve. <laughs> in good and in bad. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Uh, so you're still on birth control, so you don't cycle. Now, I am not on birth control. I cycle more regularly than I ever have in my life. And not only like a, not only does my phone tell me when I'm getting my period, but I know exactly when I'm ovulating. When I, well, was I on birth control? I'm, I'm going way back, like late teens, early 20s. I used to be able to feel everything. I knew exactly what And I was 28 days on the dots. That's, what, I was that's me now. So regular. That's never been me until I turned 40. Interesting. So now I know exactly what's going on and what's so aggravating. I, I said it wrong. It's FSH, follicle stimulating yes. hormone. Yes. Okay. That makes sense because that's the stuff that happens before you ovulate. And it says this test is a menopause hormone and it's greater than 25 and stays high when you are in menopause. It can fluctuate day to day while you are perimenopausal, but your level was at a menopausal level. <laughs> As I stick my tongue out. Such bullshit. <sighs> and it's so different. when are you going to decide to take your IUD out? When I know I cannot get pregnant. That's when. How are you going to know? I'm not. So, so you're going to have an IUD when you're like 90, just in case. <laughs> Maybe 60. Okay, here's my thing. Um, if you've never had an IUD when you have them taken out and then reinserted, it is pure hell. Like, oh. horrifying. But not like as horrifying. Painful. So painful. Hmm. But not as horrifying as having a child at this age because you would be visiting me in the funny farm. So, oh, and here's the other one. Sex hormone binding globulin is another one. It says, this is the hormone that goes high when your body senses high estrogen and high is considered greater than 20. The problem is that it also binds to thyroid and testosterone, so can lower these levels. Bringing up your progesterone level with the cream should help with balance. So this is the other thing I wanted to tell you. So this is fucking with our thyroid too. So we both have Hashimoto's. We both have hypothyroid. We're both taking medication for that. I'm, on, I'm not on meds. Oh, you're not on any? For okay. thyroid. Well, I'm on a very high dose at this point because it wasn't working. Mm. And it seems as though it's because these other hormones are grabbing it and then my body's not absorbing it. So it's not working. Great. Yeah. Don't hear this shit from men either, do we? Now, not that men don't have thyroid issues, but my dad, who I am on the inside identical to, we've yeah. been on the same medications, experienced the same things. He's been taking the same thyroid medication, same dose for my whole entire life, or at least, at least 30 years. Never changes. Mm -hmm. Mine has changed. I've been on four different meds or brand of med. And then I don't know how many different doses because each one I've gone up and up and up. And I don't know. Is there a max? Is it just going to quit? So now my hormones due to menopause are fucking with my thyroid too. Fuck, 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 fuck. Totally. God. That is the right response. I fully co-sign on that. And what was I talking about? Sorry. Distracted. IUD. It is horribly painful to have it removed and even more painful to have it reinserted. So the last time I was in, it was the five-year mark. And I was like, do I really need this? Well, I take that back. I got one five years ago. And I said, okay, when this is done, I'll be like 49. Can I be done? And she goes, oh no, we have people get pregnant at 52. I was like, oh hell no. So I knew I had to have one more, but then when I went to have it taken out and reinserted, she goes, well, do you think you really need this? And I said, I cannot have a child right now. I, I need this. So we kind of went back and forth. So I'm like, you're giving me mixed signals, but again, no way of knowing if I'm cycling. So no way of knowing, but I know I'm pretty confident that if I didn't have an IUD, I would be cycling. Because when I get around my daughter and she's cycling, I spot. Oh. 
like I can be around her for two hours. If she has her period, I will start spotting. That's really sweet, actually. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> so I know that I'm still cycling and I know I don't want to have a baby. So, yeah. So I feel like the whole notion of there's not a diagnosis of you're in perimenopause it's a guess. It is, because even the blood work, one test says I'm perimenopausal, one said I was postmenopausal, and one said I was probably, or, you know, her note yeah. said whatever, I was probably in menopause. Like, which one is it? They can't say for sure. Yeah. And how does it help anyway? Like, that's the other thing is now you have to titrate all the different systems. Like you said, it impacts thyroid. Mm-hmm. It can impact all kinds of other things. And so... I feel like I'm in the phase of I don't understand my body again. And maybe I never have, <laughs> but I felt like I had a pretty good handle. Yeah. And so then I thought, okay, well, let me blame some of the stuff on thyroid. Let me, you know, just generally throw it in some buckets of thyroid and perimenopause. Well, now all my blood tests look like I'm a freaking health fanatic. That's awesome. All of my tests look perfect. Okay, so... Now, why do I feel okay? I do have more energy with the supplements that I'm taking. Okay, but why am I gaining weight? That's what I was just gonna Again, say. Again, aside, stop drinking and not change anything else in my diet or exercise. So you are having sleeping issues just this past week, and you have weight gain. Yes, but those, those are those can be related. Thing you really see as far as possible signs of menopause. Yes. Well, okay. The other thing that I have found out here's so here's we'll add this to the list of things that we know so far. Okay. Is when you're in perimenopause, your periods actually get heavier. Oh yeah. No, I I've been through a lot of this with, you know, clients over the years of they're bleeding every two weeks or they're bleeding right. for two weeks at a time. Or like they can't move for like mine has condensed down from four to five days to basically one and a half but it's all the same amount of in dollars. one and a half yes days. so see this I, is why i just keep an iud i don't want to deal with the shit i'm out for like that day or that day and a half or overnight i really can't do all of the regular things that i would normally do you physically can't yeah, because i use pads i'm changing every two hours or i'm walking through the grocery store and go Oh, shit. Right. And you're worried that you're leaking all over the Great. place. Uh-uh. And then the other thing that I've noticed is when I'm ovulating, I notice how angry I am. And it's not when I have my period. It's ovulation related. I get anxious and angry. And that might be what's happening this week, why I can't sleep. But I woke up on, I think it was Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday. And I've had a stressful week anyway. So there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of reasons why I haven't been sleeping. Like, I woke up almost in a panic attack. You know, you kind of go, what's going on? Like, why do I feel this way? And then I sort of counted. And I was like, fuck. Like, seriously. Ovulating. Ovulating. Interesting. It's so aggravating to feel like I can't validate my own feelings. Like, maybe I have a good reason to feel anxious. Right. But I can't because I know it's hormonal. So what do I do with that? Like, I know how to manage anxiety. I don't know how to manage hormonal anxiety in the same way because coping skills don't work the same way. Yeah, not the same. <laughs> My husband's like, when I'm telling him, I can't go to sleep because he works overnight, mm -hmm. so he's not always there. And it's actually a blessing because I would be driving him 
batshit crazy wow. because I'm like, turn on the TV, turn off the TV, try to meditate, try to listen to a book. I, yeah. I'm trying everything and all I want to do is go to sleep. And he's, so then he'll be like, try this, try that. Anything he suggests, been there, done mm-hmm. that, tried it. Yeah. And then, like I said, if I do fall asleep, sometimes I will wake up in 20 minutes wide awake as if I've slept the yeah. whole night. What the hell? Or I'm up between two, four, five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you said, then you're awake at five. And what's the point of, like, you can't yeah. even get back to sleep. It makes my day extra long if I'm here till eight, nine o'clock mm-hmm. at night. Oddly, and I want to, like, knock on some wood, I am functioning fairly well. Right. Considering my lack of sleep. And I'm a person who generally needs seven hours. So we need to take a quick break. Yes. But when we come back, I'm going to tell you the things that I've been told you will experience. Okay. And maybe some that I have experienced. But I've been hearing it from women for the last 10 years of what you might experience moving forward. Excellent. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Harper. And in this episode, I opened with a confession about my transition away from drinking and the amazing impact it had on my health. A big part of that journey has been free spirits, the alcohol-free spirits that I can use to make a fun and healthy evening cocktail. My favorites are the spirit of gin and the spirit of Milano, which is sort of like a Campari aperitif. Mixing these together with a splash of tonic, a dash of bitters, and a slice of lime just hits all the right notes as I make dinner for my family after a long day. And Free Spirits is loaded with vitamins, so not only is it not bad for me, it's good for me. If you want to drink a little less, or a lot less, try Free Spirits with me. Use my promo code HARPERHUDSON to get 15% off your purchase, even on the bundles. Give it a try and let me know what you think. Welcome back. We've just taken a break. It is really hilarious in here when we have to like mess around and I'm this. crawling over cords. Right. And, right. Yeah. It's very exciting. So during the break, we've been talking about different things that also are issues that may or may not ultimately be related to perimenopause and menopause. Because one of the other things, if you listen to our cannabis uh, versus alcohol episode, I had my friend Molly on. I interviewed her afterwards about um, cannabis use. And that was really helpful. But one of the things that she has told me in other conversations, because we're friends, is at our age, our brains start working less good. Clearly. I can't Which I can't even say that well. So (laughs) our brains start working less good. (laughs) Clearly, it's affecting speech patterns and thought process. Losing words. And (laughs) it doesn't work as fast. And I get more brain tired i don't know if you know what that mean what i mean by that how but. many episodes have i said i, I forget my words and yes. you have to come up with same <laughs> same and oh, so God. i've had this crazy busy week i've been working every single day like seven days for not someone sleeping. who doesn't have a full-time job that's insane 10 hours a day nuts i'm losing my mind literally and my brain is just exhausted like we are aging in multiple ways that are systemically potentially related, not completely positively related. In fact, I had this thought the other week. Oh, so we're dying. Okay. (laughs) 
I think we've got a few more years, but I mean, we're but on like the aging slope. is sort of the part of we've we've peaked. We're on the downward. Really? Well, peaked age wise. I know. Mortality wise. You asked me the other one other episode. Like, are we middle age? Like, we are. <laughs> yes, we really are. If we're lucky, we're middle age. Right. Right. Hopefully, no. I'm not. My my family does not have longevity. I'm definitely not doubling where I'm at now, and I'm okay with that because to me, it's about quality, not quantity. I was just out to breakfast with two of my friends who are both seventy two, so they're twenty plus years older than me. And they said the same thing. They're like, this is not all it's cracked up to be. Longevity. Yep. However, I'm not looking to uh, kick the bucket. No, I'm not checking out anytime soon. And I think every year gets better for the most part. Like, there's no age I'm trying to go back to. But, yeah. But there, yeah. So I think I wonder if that's a piece of, which one am I, what am I Put doing? that foot in. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> is... Like, there is an emotional component to this that's not necessarily related to anything else. All of it's related, but it doesn't necessarily, it's not consequentially related, of just grief. Like, we talked in our weight episode about the longing for the ability to navigate weight more easily years ago. It's very disheartening sometimes when I'm like, why Why did I gain five pounds for no reason? It's so frustrating so how much of this is about the grief of mm. youth? Yeah. Yeah. As Every time you look in the mirror and there's new wrinkles <laughs> or I look in my face and I'm like, what the hell? My husband was taking pictures of me walking around New York City. We went to New York City a couple weeks ago and he wanted to take some pictures of me because he thinks I'm cute. And it was Aww. so awkward and ridiculous. And the pictures are so dumb. Isn't it funny how some people totally get into that? And pose. I'm like you. Like, if we're not taking pictures together, don't just take pictures of me. That's yeah. We tried like four different times, and he wanted me to walk across the striped New York crosswalks. Uh huh. Uh huh. And then like throw my jacket over my shoulder <laughs> and smile into the distance. I was like, I am not that girl. You're not a model. And you are not that photographer, Hudson. <laughs> I hesitate to tell you. And they're so awkward and so ridiculous. Like, they're hilarious, and I'm glad that he took them for us. Yeah. They are not Never. Instagram worthy. Instagram worthy. Yep. <laughs> but I looked at them and I was like, God, my face. My, look at that double chin. Ugh. Now, the one thing, when your face fills out a little, it fills in some of the wrinkles. That's so the other thing that I've been thinking about because now, an and we'll do a future episode on this because. There's not really any clear reason for my weight gain. And it's not a lot. It's five pounds. I'd be happy to lose five. I'd be happy to lose 10. I don't need to lose 20. Okay. Um, and in fact, if I lost 20, then I'd be all saggy and... Yeah. You'd look old. Right. I shouldn't say old. You would look older. I, <laughs> I think I would be disheartened by the way that looked. I would agree. Yeah. So... Be glad it's so, only but five. But I might take... I try out some of the weight loss medication. So I asked my doctor about some of those. Okay. And you're brave. <laughs> I've packed on like 15 and it just is what it is. I'm I go back and forth. I'm at the point where I'm like, let me let me try. Let me just try. I, I would love to see how it works. Yes. And this is how women 
learn is by talking to each other and confessing, here's the bullshit that's going on with my body. Yep. Oh, that happened to me or that happened to my friend. And we don't, none of us know the answers, but at least you get a few breadcrumbs down the road. So you can go to your doctor or your naturopath or go to the next woman and go, have you heard anything about this? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, who knows? So true. So I can recall like, gosh, probably over 10 years ago, one of my clients very openly sharing what she was experiencing, what her husband was experiencing. And she's like, there's going to come a point in time. Things are going to get a little dry. Don't worry. They have these suppositories you can insert. For lubrication? Well, I thought it was for lubrication. What I'm learning now from the client I talked to the other day, they're usually estrogen. So one thing that happens is that you get basically vaginal atrophy. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just not what it used to be. And the opening seems like it closes up and like you can't get anything in there. And you could have had the same partner for 10, 20, 30 years and all of a sudden that they don't fit. Sounds horrible. Yes. And I know from personal experience, shit is changing. I don't know what's going on with my vagina, but it's changing. Okay. I don't think I'm at the point of needing to insert anything, but glad to know about this because yes. I will be talking to my doctor the next time I go. But it rejuvenates Hmm. the interior. Okay. Because I've had multiple people tell me it hurts to have sex. That's got to be detrimental to a relationship. I mean, whether you have sex once a week, once a month, it's a bonding with your partner. And Mm -hmm. if you can't do that based on pain, that's not good. And, you know, historically, men tend to like, you know having sex more often than women as they age and they're going to want to continue doing that but they don't want to cause pain for their partner yeah so uh, and that and doesn't help their plumbing to stay strong ex- <laughs> well put well put but the other thing i think about is how many people do we know that don't have good communication in their relationships right. whether it's been two years or 20 years so if the women are experiencing pain but they're not mm-hmm. comfortable to tell their partner this really hurts so they're just denying sex we're creating a whole new right. issue. Whereas if you would just say, I don't know what's going on, right. but it's really painful. Right. You know what might be an interesting future topic? Where is the sex coaching and sex therapy for having sex when you're older? Mm. Right. Because if men, if their erections aren't as hardy. Oh, yes. That's another thing I've learned recently. And so someone was telling me that. After two years of basically thinking that her husband was cheating, they finally had a conversation and he just said, you know, things don't work like they used to. Um. And she's like, well, why didn't you tell me? Well, of course, no one's comfortable to say can't get the shit up or whatever the case. They found a product that's helping that was just at like Adam and Eve or whatever. Yeah. And it was funny because he said, I feel like I've grown. And she goes, no, you're just the size you used to be. They've been together like 30 years. And he didn't recognize maybe what was happening because it happens gradually just like it does for us. So he didn't recognize what was happening. But she very quickly flashed back to, hey, this is how things used to be. So now they found this product. And apparently it will last for about a week. And then, yes, it just helps blood flow. So that's why it will last so long. But it's not like you're hard and you can't get rid of it. It just helps the blood flow. So when you are in the mood, things are going to work better. But one conversation has completely changed their relationship just by being open and honest. So 
as much as I'm saying men don't deal with this shit, they deal with stuff too. Absolutely. And that's way harder on a man's ego, I think, well, because I that's their manlyhood, right. you know? So the client told me years ago, you know, that things are going to get, she basically described it as dry and that, so it would cause pain. But now I've heard from other people, not only do you have dryness, but there's like a shrinkage. Hmm. And I think it has something to do basically with vaginal atrophy and things start to um, (laughs) sag with gravity. Like shit just changes because it's not exactly in the same position it used to be because with, you know, our boobs sag, well, apparently other shit sags too. Good to know. (laughs) Yes. So there are the suppositories you can, I mean, obviously lubricant would help, but sometimes it's beyond lubricant that you need a suppository. I've also heard that sometimes you lose sensation. So like you can tell that the I feel person, like I maybe assumed that, but I guess I shouldn't have assumed that. I would have never thought about this, but so like you can tell that the person is going in and out, but you don't actually feel anything, huh. which then it's like, well, what's the point? The female isn't really getting anything out of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Long ago and far away in my youth, I was going to go into sex ed and now having this conversation, I know, right? And now having this conversation, I feel like maybe that's like my retirement career is like sex, aging sex coaching. (laughs) I love it. You would be so good at it. You would be so good at it. And I could actually see you and your husband like doing a couple's retreat. Yeah, I mean, we're very open. Yeah, leading a couple's retreat. Like, try this. Have you thought about that? I mean, not like together. (laughs) No, and not, no, no, no. I'm talking about like you have a, okay, have you ever done a marriage retreat? Uh, We haven't actually. Okay, so when I was married the first time, we did a marriage retreat, and then we we became people who coached the marriage retreat. Yes, I know those. High insight, ridiculous. Anywho. For the two of you. Yes. So, right. No, exactly. So (laughs) there was no fixing that shit. Okay. So (laughs) we would all be in a a room and the coaches are explaining things, Mm -hmm. but then everyone stayed at this retreat center. So then you'd go back to your room and you were instructed to write certain things or journal about certain things or share certain things. Right. So if it was a sex thing, you describe some things, and then the couples are responsible sure. to go back to their room and maybe try out things sure. you've suggested. Sure. Who knows? Who yeah. knows what the future holds? Let, let me know what he says about my suggestion. I'm dying to hear. <laughs> that I can't wait to hear also. <laughs> oh, that would be so good. Uh-huh. Because now that we're really talking about, like, it's not just the moment and how your body feels or what's going on with your body. It's so much more. It's relational and intimacy and self-image of, you know, yourself sexually. Or even when I joked a few episodes ago about, you know, we're in our crone years. (laughs) God. (laughs) Like that grief of this is aging. This is what aging looks like, feels like. And it's, weird it's uncomfortable it's i don't know embarrassing well yeah and when it comes to anything you know having to do with sex it if things aren't working physically it so adversely affects your mental and emotional state that it's going to affect many aspects of your life yep definitely and like you said the intimacy of connection with your partner you know it's not just all about intercourse no but 
because that's mostly what we know about and what people have tried, you get to 50 or 60 and you're like, well, I don't know. Do I want to try anything else? I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. And some people are open to it and some people aren't. Right. And sad for the people that can't have open communication and can't share their feelings to say, you know, I love you and I still want to be quote unquote intimate with you. Right. But this is painful. This is uncomfortable. Right. It's not enjoyable for me. Get creative. Yeah. Can we find something else? What else do we need to include? Right. So not only are we dealing with our day to day lack of sleep, Mm -hmm. hormone shifts, Mm -hmm. rage. Um, but then Seriously, you have Seriously, the rage. <laughs> oh god. The rage. Yep. Why? It's insane. See, and w- based on that, I know you're at least perimenopause yeah. because of, you know, things I, you're experiencing. Exactly. Right? I am not a rageful person. Not at all. I'm just not. And I remember when my mom was going through menopause and I sort of knew it but didn't really get it, but somehow got the message like, yeah, mom is pissed off a lot because of this menopause thing Thing. yeah oh that reminds me people have always told me about night sweats i'm gonna wake up in the middle of the night i'm gonna be drenched in sweat and then you just go back to sleep i am not experiencing night sweats i'm experiencing all day hot like Um, i have spent my whole life being cold and now i'm hot all the damn time yes to the point that recently i sat in the back seat and my husband's like, what are, you, what are you doing? I said, you are trying to cook me like a turkey in this car, and I can't take it. And he's like, okay, which, of mm-hmm. course, he's like, I'm not driving Miss Daisy. Like, what, what are we doing here? Yeah. Well, now I don't sit in the back seat because that just seems awkward, but I will be in the car with him, and it's not that hot. I mean, he's got on a hat, fleece, you know, two, three layers yeah. of fleece, and all of a sudden I am roasting, and I get so internally hot, I think I'm going to throw up. I'm whipping off my seatbelt, whipping off my coat, whipping everything off. Like, I want to roll down the window and stick my head out because I'm... So do you feel like that's a hot flash? Well, what I've experienced... You're hot in general, but then it peaks. Peaks, but it's not the same because over the years I've had clients get hot flashes and I feel their whole hand get hot. Okay. And they get sweaty. Okay. And their face turns red. None of that's happening to me. Okay. So it's not a hot flash. I'm just hot. So my internal core temperature has gone up a number of degrees and then you add a coat or a right. heater and right. shoot me now it yeah. is unbearable and then my poor daughter she's like I'm cold all the time I'm cold all the time I go oh yeah that I, I know exactly what you're yeah. talking about and there's really nothing to do my rain nods has stopped oh we were out the other day it's 20 degrees Mm -hmm. and I'm like oh just wait 25 years honey and you'll be warm she's like 25 years (laughs) because I'm no coat on walking around outside because I'm so fucking hot yeah I definitely run warmer now Mm -hmm. but I have Hudson calls them temperate zones so I will have one part of my body like my thighs will be fiery hot Mm. my feet and my fingers will be ice cold yeah and they don't regulate together. Mm-hmm. And I do sometimes get peaks of Raynaud's um, still, but it is less for sure. And I generally need less clothing in the cold than yep. I ever have. And and at oh, home, yeah. I'm constantly trying to turn the heat down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Before, even five years ago, I'd be like, you know, 73, Crank 74. Yes. Now I'm like, 70 is good. Yep. Maybe 69. <laughs> yeah. That is totally me. Yeah. I have spent my whole life having cold hands, cold feet, and cheeksicles because my ass was always frozen. Cheeksicles. Cheeksicles. Nice. Um, But now I'm just generally warm, which I'm loving not having the numb hands and feet, but the rest of it, 
Yeah. Oh, we didn't talk about color. Oh. I know I want a color changer on my fingers, so I'm trying to think of what flavors we can sort of matte. What about one of those dark glitter color changers up there? Maybe I want the purpley one. Maybe I want to go disco. This one? Yeah. Okay, if we did that one, then we could do this. Oh, yes. That's it? Okay. That definitely is So it. your toe color will be Butterfly Queen. Oh, I've had that one before. I like that one. It's a goodie. And it makes me feel disco. And we need that. It's. I'm loving that it's not as cold here as it sometimes gets, but it's very brown. Yeah, and it's very, very brown. dull. We need a little yes. excitement, so we'll put it on your toes. I like it. Okay, so basically, we sort of know that we need to be talking about menopause and perimenopause more often with women, with our care providers, with our significant others, because there's so much mystery that the only way to get to answers is sort of like keep asking questions is my takeaway from this Getting conversation. Getting pointers because it is right. different for everyone. Right. Um, I think this is probably the first of many episodes we're going to be doing. I know. Because it's really the core of how we started this mm -hmm. um, podcast. of, And it is the kind of thing that you bring into the confessional. Yep. Because this is not the doctor's office where it's high stakes and you're being pressured out the door in 10 minutes. Yes. And... Everything needs a diagnosis so that it can be covered by insurance. It's really hard. Like, I know this because I was just at my doctor's office. And it's hard to have a deep conversation when you go in a couple of times a year and you don't have a quote unquote chronic condition except being a woman. Yep. And, and I would also say there's limitations with the way insurance is set up. I have the most amazing midwife. I've seen her since I was pregnant with my daughter, so 25 years. Wow. She would bend over backwards for me. She would have the frank conversation. I could easily have the frank conversation with mm -hmm. her that I'm having. But then she's limited yep. on what she can do, what she can prescribe, yep. and how she can help me because of insurance. Yep. Yep. And when I was in my for my physical with my doctor... Asking a bunch of questions because I have so many questions and I asked the what if question and well, what if this and well, what if this? And at some point she sort of had to tell me like, we can definitely talk about that. We would need to schedule another appointment. Mm. Like she's watching the time yep. and for physical, they do give you a little bit more time, but we were over a half an hour. Oh, yeah. And I, I most appointments are scheduled 20 minutes. So exactly. And so it was not enough time and she's not my friend right you know and she doesn't know the rest of my life yeah. whereas coming to the confessional coming to the salon coming into this these intimate spaces or lunch with girlfriends or whatever it is just getting it out of our heads and into does this sound right to you does this make sense to you I mean I remember when we were in childbearing phase like we wanted kids and we were trying to have kids or actively raising kids. There's so many conversations. It was so easy to have a conversation about fertility and cycles and how are you tracking? And I like this pregnancy test. It is now, but 10 or 15 years ago. I thought it was really easy. Okay. 20 or 25. Years. Okay. 20 or 25 years. Because yes. you had your daughter 10 years before I had my son. Right. But 25 years ago, people didn't talk about infertility. It was very taboo. So oh. we're making progress when you okay. think about this, yeah. that now people openly talk about infertility and right. struggles. More openly. It's not so yes. taboo. Yeah. When I was trying to get pregnant and I had to do some fertility things, I found a chat room hmm. for 
women who were trying to conceive. And it was all anonymous screen name stuff. Okay. And so you get put into like a little group. I actually became Facebook friends with several of those women and I'm still Facebook friends with them. Oh, that's cool. It is really interesting because now you see their kids. Yeah. And I remember like I was one of the first people that knew that they had a positive pregnancy test. Yay. And we were able to really ask each other questions. And we need more of that. Yeah. Like where's the women in perimenopause chat room? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it might exist. I'm not saying it doesn't, but I have no idea. If someone knows about one, let us know. Right. So we're all talking about menopause, but we're not really talking about what's going on. True. Is my feeling. I agree. That's where I'm frustrated. So stay tuned for future episodes on the topic of what we know now. Whether or not (laughs) Jen has actually entered menopause. Um, It sounds very strange to me to say this at the end of this episode, but nailed it. like me, listening to this episode may have brought up some fresh feelings of rage and annoyance. I see you, and I'm feeling it too. But instead of throwing some unhelpful think positive vibe at you, I'm going to say this. If you're mad, tired, or frustrated, tell us. Tell someone. Speak up, yell, scream, cry, and lose your beautiful shit all over the damn place. Maybe a collective war cry from all of us will create the tipping point we need to see the difference. And then subscribe to Salon Confessions podcast so you don't miss part two of our conversation on menopause, including what changed between the time we recorded the first one and the time we recorded the second one. You won't want to miss it. So like and subscribe wherever you listen and join the Butterfly Queen Army. As always, we want to hear your confessions. Email us at salonconfessionspodcast at gmail.com or find us on the socials at Salon Confessions Podcast. Salon Confessions Podcast is recorded live in Jen's nail studio while she's giving a manicure or a pedicure and produced and edited by me, Harper Hudson. You can connect with us on Instagram at Jen Takes Confessions and Harper Has Nice Nails. Please like and subscribe to Salon Confessions Podcast wherever you listen. Remember, your engagement makes this podcast possible. If today is your day to crawl under your covers and cry and pout and be pissed off at your body, we are crawling in and having a meltdown with you in spirit. Just know, you're not alone. See you next time.